Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Suns beat Houston, 110-105. Bad fourth quarter once again. Booker, however, won the first quarter himself, 20-17. Yes, he scored more points than the Rockets did. He finished the game with 35. Booker, 6 of 11 from three. How did it feel from deep? I was shooting a lot from deep. I mean, I hit a lot of threes in the first quarter, just the same shots that I missed the other game. You know, I just, I stick with it. Uh, I mean, I don't know what what my percentages are at, but better than league average, so I'm going to keep going. A little bit of a battle at one point. Took a small shove from Cam Whitmore. The two guards got into it a little bit in the last game at Houston. Shoving match during this one, nothing vicious, but both got a double technical. The reason why it's interesting is they play again tomorrow night. KD at 24-7 and 6. He looked good as well. Again, Rockets, one more game at home. They'll be here Saturday night. 14 straight losses for the Arizona Coyotes. They lost 4-2 in Toronto. Yes, Austin Matthews scored again. He got his 53rd goal of the year. Down 3-0, however. Coyotes didn't make it 3-2 before they gave up an empty netter with a minute left. Andre Turney, I'm sure after 14 games of straight losing, you're still a positive man. Yeah, the, 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 that's the positive for us. Oh. I think our guys never never quit. We have a, a good group, but in that way, they, they never quit. So even if life's going rough and you wake up and you go to work today, as long as you don't quit, you can play for the Coyotes. Coyotes are in action again on the back end of a back-to-back. Tonight, they're in the capital of the country, Ottawa, tonight at 5 o'clock. D-backs beat the Giants 2-1. Ryan Nelson looked pretty good. Went three innings, gave up a solo homer. That was it. What's interesting, this is back-to-back outings for Nelson, in which he struck out five hitters. That's impressive. Jake McCarthy went one for three with an RBI double. Cattell Marte went one for three and dropped his batting average to 600. Tonight, they travel to the west side. They take on the Reds for their first night game of the spring. First pitch in Goodyear, 605. GCU crushed Texas Rio Grande 72-43. They won the second half 44-19. Grant Foster, 21.6 boards, 4 assists. He looked good. They're now 25-4 on the season. Home game last of the year coming up tomorrow night against Stephen F. Austin. ASU not in action this weekend, but U of A is. The Wildcats take on Oregon. Tommy Lloyd said on Wednesday he hasn't even had a chance to look at Oregon. He'll watch him on the bus on the ride home from Tempe. Now he's had plenty of time. They take on the Ducks tomorrow at noon. Lots of NFL news. Star of the day yesterday, combine day one, Dallas Turner. He already has over 20 sacks at Alabama last year. Now they measured his wingspan, 83 inches from fingertip to fingertip. You're not going to be able to keep that guy off of you. His stock was already sky high, and it actually went up. 4.46 in the 40 and a 40 and a half inch vert. Now, combine day two is today. Defensive backs and tight ends going at it, and a new rule might be put into place. Here's what's strange. The quarterback might be allowed to ground the football while he's in the pocket. And finally, 
Meet Steve Irwin. No, he doesn't have anything to do with nature or zoos. He's a homeless diamond miner. Yes. A homeless diamond miner. Okay, there might be some issues there. He lives in Seattle and he stole an excavator from a construction site, drove it into the deep woods of a city park, and then actually cleared trees and built himself a cabin and nobody stopped him. So he took the excavator to a local hill and claimed that there were diamonds and gold in this hill in Seattle. So he started mining. Finally, somebody in some kind of police department decided maybe people shouldn't steal excavators, build themselves homes on city property, and dig in the mountains. No one knows if any of the diamonds were found. So at the beginning of every Doug Franz Unplugged, you hear the voice of Sweet Lou. That's Louie Unger, the general manager of Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's a real simple story. He's a hardcore listener to the old show. Then saw a tweet one time from me about Unplugged, became a listener, joined the Unplugged Army, and then heard me make fun of my own golf game and decided, I think I can help. And then he believed in all of us, in the Unplugged Army as a whole, and became the presenting sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. What does that mean to you? That means incredible benefits if you choose to become a Whirlwind Plus member. I love the Whirlwind Plus plan. I think it's perfect for any member of the Unplugged Army. You can choose $2.99 a year or just $34 a month, and you can save up to 60%. If you've got any questions, just email me, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. Go to WhirlwindGolf.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes and the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Okay, this week, it's been really tough. Now, when I say really tough, come on, it's in comparison. It's, my kids are healthy. I'm not starving. I've got beer in the fridge, things like that. So it's not dramatic. I just mean lot, a lot, a lot of work. And then what did I do? I forgot beer. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Dumb. Just plain dumb. Now, I, un- I would give myself a little bit of grace. Beer Friday. I would give myself a little bit of grace if it wasn't for one thing. So here's what's going to happen today. It's 6.09 in the morning right now, and I'm really nervous when I see Jeff Weir Production walk by the window. 
because Izzy does not drink beer ever, let alone at six in the morning. So he never partakes in beer Friday. I bring in beer every Friday. Now, in the old building, I used to just have a case of cans of Kilt Lifter that just sat in the fridge. So therefore, I, I never had to remember it. Well, lately, I've just been bringing in um, two cans of beer every Friday. And it was pretty easy to remember. But this week has been haywire. I've gone to bed after midnight every day this week. So my, my head's a little fried, I admit to you totally. Then I didn't even think about it this morning of pulling out beer. Now, this is why normally I would say, get over it. You know, it's my first time forgetting. But I stood at the closet today and I decided to dress like a putz. Okay, I got gym shorts on and a T-shirt and I'm going home after I post the podcast and I'm going to bed. Now, I'm still working tonight. Today, normally I get home about 1030. (laughs) Sorry to tell you this. I go to the bathroom and then I go to the golf course. Okay, that's my Friday. Get out of my way. Friday's my day. I work six and a half days a week. Friday's my day. I'm so tired. I'm not golfing, but I'm still working tonight because the D-backs are on the west side. So I'm going to the D-backs game. So I got a lot going on. Didn't think about the beer. But when I stood in front of the closet figuring out what I was going to wear, I saw this T-shirt and I thought, oh, yeah. This is my everybody at at, at Ohio University. You kind of have your bar. This one was my bar, the pub. And I looked at it. Yes, I'm wearing my pub T-shirt today. I don't know why it called to me. So the beer picture called to me, but beer did not. That's why I have no excuse. So I have been I have I've been sending mental vibes. I have not texted Jeff Weir production to bring beer in with him today. I have no idea if he was receiving these mental vibes. No, I did not text or email. But we'll see what happens when he gets here. If he just walks in and says, okay, hey, beer Friday. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have any. But Izzy, I feel like tradition is tradition. And so I still, I still need to say cheers to everybody. So I propose a toast to beer Friday and to the American worker. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. It is still a beer Friday. I love that. I love that thing. Uh, You have driven the American economy to a successful week. You deserve a great weekend and you deserve a cheers. I'm a little... Uh, a little bumped. I'm hoping my daughter will play golf with me tomorrow, though. I set a tee time for tomorrow as a date. So Jennifer and I were going to play golf, and I was since I'm working all day uh, today, I thought, you know what? I'll cram in golf on Saturday, spend some time with my wife. It'll be great. And then um, a small amount of, of an issue, sadness happened to the family. Um, it's my brother's father-in-law who passed and we believe in, in and at least if both of us all if all of us can't go I, I know you're gonna laugh at this yeah hey death is funny i don't mean it that way i know you're gonna laugh i love this line it's my favorite yogi Berra. like if you know yogi Berra, everybody has a favorite yogi Berra statement my favorite yogi Berra is if you don't go to other people's funerals they won't come to yours <laughs> i'm sorry that makes me laugh every single time <laughs> well it's there's the thing about yogi is there's hidden wisdom in everything he says and it really i have learned the power 
of showing up somewhere unannounced, unexpected at a funeral just makes people in shock. And of course, you don't I don't go to a funeral. So the person that's in heaven looks down and says, man, I'm so glad Doug came, you know, something like that. If you're a good enough soul to get to heaven, I don't think you're taking tabs to see who comes to your funeral. I do believe, however, there is great power, even if some of the people there don't know you in in showing up, introducing yourself and having somebody say, wow, you cared that much about my dad. You cared that much about my husband, you know, whoever it is that's passed. And then so I also I go for the people that are there. And I know I've touched a lot of lives doing it. We all have strengths as a personality. We all have weaknesses and embarrassments as a personality. I don't mind telling you that is one of my strengths is is showing people at a moment like that. And I can tell you, please steal it from you, uh, from me. If, if you can fit that into your life, I guarantee you it means a lot to people. So I can't go uh, coming up this next week, but Jennifer can. So Jennifer's going to go. So I don't have anybody to golf with me tomorrow. And I I thought of my oldest who does not golf and she's going to ride the cart and putt. And I think we're going to have a good time. So I'm excited, uh, excited about the family for that, even though trying to turn pain into a little bit of fun and uh, big, big family news, big family news. I am, I'm geeking out. I am so proud, but oh my gosh, the dad in me is a nervous, nervous wreck intern McKenna and I talked for quite a while last night on my my car ride back I'll tell you about that in a second but uh she is going to accept an internship in Nashville and it's just so exciting she's going to intern with the MLS team Nashville SC in in Nashville Tennessee it's so cool that she's earned it but this kid's so amazing it's an unpaid internship and she said uh and the guy was really cool about it he said listen I gotta tell you I can't pay you like this is this is not a published internship it's not something where you know uh we're announcing it because there's some people have a backlash against unpaid internships they don't think those are fair i i am completely different Uh, my opinion is find a way to make it work and mckenna said but i need money so i'm getting a job so it's crazy she's gonna live with a friend She's going to work 35 hours a week for the Nashville soccer team, and she's going to get some kind of part-time job near my buddy's house. So this poor kid, she's going to be working around 90 hours a week in a city. She's only the only time she's ever been to Nashville. She was, I think, two months old and drove through it she didn't we didn't stop at all it's crazy that she's just boom here i am getting a job doing this doing this so just so proud so proud great kid and uh uh she goes she said something hilarious she goes yeah but daddy i don't think that's fair because the way our arrangement is we pay for college but don't ask for money you know you want to go out with friends you want to do this whatever you want to do hey that's your money you know and she goes but i you know i i feel bad because i i've i've got to you know, I, I'm a little worried about taking a whole summer without working. And I, I stole a line from my dad. My dad used to always say this. And I said, honey, this is how this is going to work. Okay. You can take a summer and mooch off of us and we will help pay for a few other things during your next year of college. However, I'm taking that money out 
uh, you're taking that money out of my bank account now. When I'm drooling and incoherent, I'm taking money out of yours. You're now in charge of my health care when I'm on when I'm in a nursing home. And you know, it's awesome that way because she has no idea how expensive that is. So she's like, okay. <laughs> I got it's like I got one over on Vienna the oldest when she was about I don't know she's about four years old and she was begging begging for another story another bedtime story so I told the four-year-old okay you can have a bedtime story but I get to drive the limo on prom night okay we had never talked about prom in her life that way I knew hey I'm involved if I don't like the guy but I don't remember. I did not drive a limo on prom night, you know, 12 years later or whatever it was. All right. Uh, I'm done with that story time. Izzy, somehow, congratulations, Izzy. Did you did you go to the Suns game last night, Izzy? No, nah, I wasn't able to, but I, able, I was managed to get the chance to go on Sunday. Okay, good. You're so going Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, Izzy, because of the hope that he was going going to be able to go to the suns last night he did a great job of of carrying the show today in order and he needed to because he did not have to go through what the what ceo chris jeff weir production and i went through yesterday we went to the actual rattlers player orientation Players orientation, where Kevin Guy gives the actual speech to start the year for the Arizona Rattlers. The beginning of the speech was pretty cool because he went through how much this team wins. And just to see it, I mean, it's something like, and I'm making up the numbers, I don't remember for sure, but it's something like the organization has played for 30 years and they've been in the been in the championship game like 12 times 14 times something like that it's almost 50 percent of the time the rattlers are in the championship game and then in those championship games they're about six for 14 so it's almost 50 percent of the time they get there and 50 percent of those times they win almost that i mean just to see it in print was crazy and i and then they go okay how many of you are new guys man there was it was a room i I'm making this up. I don't remember. But there's about 40 players. I would say it's a big U-shape of a table. So it was about 20 players on each side, left and right, in a hotel ballroom. And then WTSM and coaches on the bottom part of the U in the back of the room. So it was just a packed room. Pretty good food. And then he gave the speech. So that part was pretty cool to hear about that. Then he went through how hard it is to be a rattler, how involved, made made demands on um, the the players for community involvement, things like that. So that was pretty cool to be there. Then it went into basically all the reasons he's going to cut you (laughs) if you don't do what you're expected to do. And although I think that's vitally important, oh my gosh, it just, I was, this is so unfair of me because I've known Kevin since 2002, okay? So when you know a guy for 22 years, I don't, it's just so hard to sit there. It is so hard to sit there and go, I'll cut you for this, I'll cut you for this, okay? Like, all right, all right, all right. But from the standpoint of the player and the coach, you better have that meeting, you know? So I get it, but at the same time, I was like, oh my gosh. So then they took a break. And the security guy was going to talk. And I don't know anything about their security guy. I just knew his name was Les. I didn't know anything about his story. And uh, Kevin says uh, something about, you know, he's going to talk, he's going to talk. And I was totally joking. And I said, what am I going to talk? Just being a jerk. And he goes, oh, yeah, you should talk. And then I'm like, wait, what? 
Okay. So I did think I should introduce myself because this is my first year doing Rattlers play-by-play. So I went up there, and, and Izzy, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm really interested in your reaction to this. I'll, I'll react to, I'll give you my reaction to what I said in a second, but I want your reaction. I went up there and I said, hey, everybody, my name's Doug. I'm going to be your new play-by-play guy this year. Our station is called WTSMTV.com. We do all the home games. So if your family, if your friends, if they can't make it to, the, to a home game, please tell them about us and have them sign up so they can watch the games. So that's, that part's pretty cool. I want to tell you how things will work from our relationship standpoint. Uh, our sideline reporter is named Isaiah Jackson. And is and his nickname's Izzy, and Izzy and I will be at practice once or twice a week, and we're going to film you, and we're going to do different things for the pregame show, put it together, stuff like that. That's, those are all goofy, have fun, get to know you type of questions. Then during the game, Izzy's the sideline reporter. He might be with you on the bench. He's going to come and talk to you. And then I said, post game, keep in mind, you're going to be signing autographs, and these are the people that are paying your salary. Uh, focus on them. Focus on those guys. Don't do anything. You know, focus on them. However, Izzy's going to walk around and be interviewing you. So you really want to make sure you pay attention to the question because you don't want to say something stupid. So the best thing to do is answer the question while somebody's approaching you. Then focus on that person, sign the autograph, and then come back to the next question with Izzy and kind of play off of each other and get used to that. And, 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 you know, I got some nods. People kind of understood. And, uh, and then I said, by the way, I want to let you know, there's all, because everybody was give, saying something motivational. Like Kevin was trying to, you know, so I, I fell into that. And I said, by the way, I want to let you all know, um, I'm one of those types of people that evaluate everybody in the room all at the same time. And I watch everybody's body language. And I just want to let everybody know, two of you succeeded greatly when you sat down 35 of you failed miserably. And I want to tell you, I've covered about 17 professional teams. And one of the best leaders I've ever met is Dylan Winfrey, your safety. And Jamal Miles and Isaiah Houston were the two guys that sat down next to Dylan Winfrey. And if I'm trying to make the team, I would have looked ahead, gotten to know the personnel, and made sure I was sitting next to Dylan Winfrey so I could learn from him. He's been a team captain for years. And then I sat down. I looked around the room thinking, oh, I, before I tell you what I was thinking, I just want to know, what did you think what, about a spur of the moment, 90 second to two minute speech from a play by play guy that probably four players know who I am and the rest of the room has never seen me in their lives. Ballsy. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was tough, man. That you was know tough. what? I love that you said that because it'll never happen again <laughs> because I, t- I am being totally serious about how great I am at reading a room, reading people's faces, body language, blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you at least 70% of the people in that room had the look on their face that said, who the hell is this guy to tell me what to do? <laughs> <laughs> and then as I'm walking away and I'm looking around, I just realized, why did I do that? Why in the world did I do that? I mean, who, why? What, who do I think I'm helping? What did I do? And I'm walking away, and I've kind of got my tail between my legs. And Kevin gave me this weird look, like, what was that? And I, and luckily, I stayed for the next speech and left. So I wasn't there long enough. I mean, I was there for an hour and a half, maybe even two hours. I was there for a long time, but I didn't stay when it was over to do a meet and greet or anything because I needed to get to work, watch Coyotes and Sons. I hadn't been home 
so I, I needed to get to work. So it's kind of funny. I, I hope Kevin forgot. I'm hoping he just forgot because I rip Kevin privately all the time for his speaking engagements all the time. He's actually really good at it. Like if you want a corporate speaker, he would be a good corporate speaker to do a little PowerPoint, say how he runs the, the Rattler stuff like that. But for a friend, it's like I hear it all the time from him. You know what I mean? And then what did I do? I was this guy. Just like sit down. Like, I'm amazed nobody yelled sit down. So I appreciate that you called it ballsy, but I know how you're saying it. You're being nice. You're calling it ballsy in the way of why did you think you should do that? That's ballsy that you did it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Th- I wouldn't have thought that would have been the first thing you would say. Yeah. And I'm fo- I'm focused on yeah. That was ballsy because I was dumb. So that is. There's, there's, there's my introduction to the players. So therefore, if no players want to be interdu- uh, interviewed by Izzy, you know it's my fault. You, you know already that it's my fault. And then they'll just blame Izzy for it. So I get off scot-free. It's kind of like why I was a first baseman. Nobody understands the beauty of playing first base. Okay? I'm at first base. I never have to throw the ball, but I'm a large dude. Uh, like like within, within high school athletes, I am. So therefore, everyone thinks I have an arm, even though it wasn't that great. Secondly... If you throw me the ball in the dirt and I scoop it out, I'm a hero. Like, everybody goes crazy. Man, great play, Doug. Good job. And then, and then every, I build confidence. Everybody on the team's confident. They can make a deep play, throw wildly. Doug will get it. It's okay. And if I don't get it, it's your error. Who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you threw in the dirt. I didn't get it, man. E6. You know, I'm like, I'm good. And when you grow up and you play softball, you can play first with a beer in your hand. As long as you're not at a city park and then it's open container. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. There you go. Uh, Izzy, what are you doing this weekend? Anything thrilling? Well, tonight we got wrestling. Uh, oh. Then Sunday, so yeah, Sun's game. Tomorrow I'll, I'll definitely be here. Where's, re- <laughs> where's wrestling? Uh, I'll be at Desert Diamond tonight. Okay. okay. Wow. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a whole lot of fun. I think Steve's well, I think I know Steve's going. Steve's yeah. gonna go. It's gonna be a whole lot of fun. All right, all right. And then you said you're coming in to work tomorrow? Yeah, I gotta work tomorrow. I gotta work a little bit. And then on Sunday got the Suns game. Okay. Suns and OKC. Yeah, you got a good seven day week. Have fun. That's you're a you're a gamer, a total gamer that way. Uh I had I was going to talk to you about something, and I forget. I'm sure it was boring, just like last night. At least I learned to shut up this time and not try to go somewhere. All right. Oh, no, I haven't done sound credits. Oh, let me cheat. Sound credits today. We've got a lot of Sun stuff to go over. Got that from uh, the Sun's PR department, so thanks, guys. And then um, was it uh, PHNX where you got Ryan Nelson? Yep. Okay, so we got that from the D-backs. We want to get into that. And then where did you get – you pulled a, a great stuff from the Combine. Where all did you get the Combine stuff? Also as well, uh, PHNX the Cardinals. Okay, good, good. I can't wait to go through uh, some of that. So thanks to all of those groups. Oh, and I forgot uh, the Coyotes as we got Andre Turney during the four-minute offense from the Coyotes PR department. And I think that pretty well covers everything. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today, my number one opinion is it's embarrassing that it took this long, and it's embarrassing that U of A was the only reason. But there is good news today. Fred Duvall is stepping down as the Board of Regents chairman, the Arizona Board of Regents. He's no longer the chair. Now, this is embarrassing because he's still staying on as a member of the Board of Regents. I think that's a joke. And then the executive director, John Arnold, is taking a leave of absence. The reason why is it's a conflict of him to try to be the CFO of U of A 
and save U of A's problems financially while he's still a member of the Board of Regents. So he's taking a leave of absence. So number one, I like the fact that we're actually seeing some changes, okay? But number two, I want to tell you still what a joke this is. Politicians, please do something. Please step up. TJ Shope has done a little bit, so I want to give him some credit. He's the president of the Senate for uh, the state of Arizona. But all of you, gosh, I could care less about your political party. Please wake up to what's happened at our two major institutions. God bless NAU, but you're not involved in, in the major Division I athletics of what we've seen. You have a man in Dr. Crow that thinks it's okay to pay almost a million dollars for a man to teach a couple classes in the law school just because you let him go as athletic director, but you wanted to keep paying him. Why? Why is he not fired with cause? This NCAA investigation is still going on. Basically, what happens in situations like this, they're still negotiating what is the penalty going to be? What's the final verdict going to be? The NCAA likes to negotiate because they've learned it's too expensive to go to court and they always lose. So they want to negotiate. And so, Dr. Crow, you were either complicit or you coached it. I don't know which. But to look at the negligence that happened under Ray Anderson and the negligence that happened under Herm Edwards. Either they had no idea what was going on and they should be fired for that, or they knew everything that was going on and they should be fired for that. And yet you're paying $4 million to Herm Edwards, um, almost a million dollars to Ray Anderson, just to go away. And the Arizona Board of Regents is doing nothing to Dr. Crow, and politicians are doing nothing to the Arizona Board of Regents. Who are these people? Well, U of A runs this massive deficit, and yet Dr. Robbins is still in charge. Dave Hickey's gone, as if any of that deficit's his fault, other than, okay, the athletic department doesn't make enough money. That is his fault. But it's kind of funny. I'm going to fire you because you're running a deficit. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm running a deficit. Well, well why aren't you fired? So then... This guy from the Board of Regents takes over as the CFO and swears up and down there's no conflict. There's nothing wrong with with what I'm doing. A couple professors at U of A start barking up the tree saying this is wrong. They get stamped down by the uh, chairman saying, be quiet, you're interrupting our greatness as the Board of Regents because you're dare challenging us saying we have a conflict. And luckily the governor stepped up and said, no, Board of Regents, you're the fools. Be quiet. And then they go, okay, fine. We'll stay on, but we'll step down from our important positions. What? How do they get to do that? I used to think the greatest job in America was to be anybody that works for the United Nations. That is like the cushiest job in the world. Like you, you, you act like an American citizen, but you got diplomatic immunity. Do whatever you want. Live in a cool city in the New York area. You're frighteningly overpaid by your home country, but you don't have to live in your home country. So therefore, nobody knows how really bad it is in your country and you get to live there. That's cool. Number two, I always thought was a bullpen catcher. You have bull- No, actually, number two is a backup quarterback. A backup quarterback in the NFL. You know how much money Chase, a guy like Chase Daniels has made in his career? That guy's pulling in about five, I would say anywhere between three and seven million a year throughout most of his career. 
And the guy plays, I don't know, he probably gets tackled twice a year. What a gig. So that's number two, bullpen catcher number three. That's what I've always thought. You know you get like $180 a day meal money on the road. How awesome is that as the bullpen catcher? So you're making good money, probably making a little less than 100000 and all you do is this. And then you write some charts up. All right, all right, good gig. I have now changed my mind. The number one job in America is being on the Arizona Board of Regents. Where's the accountability? Where? One president wants to drive the entire university into bankruptcy. That's all right. We'll let you do it. And we're not going to vote you out. The other president wants to spend $5 million on people that should be fired. Because they were running the model he wanted them to run. all right. Because you're innovative. Oh, my goodness. Where do we get that opportunity? I have decided. I've always told you this. If you ever want to vote for me in any kind of position, any elected office, as long as it's not coroner, and I don't think they vote for those anymore. When I was a kid growing up, there were always county coroner elections, and I thought that's creepy. I I don't do dead well. Okay, once you know, once if I'm in a viewing, that doesn't bother me. But anything that was recently alive and now dead. I don't like that. That's, I mean, even a dead bird on the golf course, I'm like, I, I don't know. That everything gets somebody squeamish, that's what gets me squeamish. Don't like dead. Well, having said that, as long as you don't vote me for coroner, I'll do anything you want. I'm not going to be good at it, but at least you know I'm going to be the first politician in 100 years that looks at a camera or speaks into a microphone on radio and says, this is what I think. And you'll know exactly what I think. And then you can decide if that's what you think. And then you can either vote me out or vote reelect me. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll take any job you want to vote me for. I now want to be on the Arizona Board of Regents. I want that gig. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I will be the dumbest guy on the Board of Regents. But I might end up as the one with the most common sense. That's not going to allow. Wait, you did what? Mr. Educator, wait, you, you think that's normal to do that? Out, out. And then, they, and then I, it would be like, a, I don't know how many people are on the Board of Regents. Let's say it's seven. No, let's say it's 14. Let's just make up a number. Let's say it's 14. The vote will be 13 to one all the time. The other 13 are always going to protect themselves and protect their buddies. But you'll know every time I vote, that's the way it should have been. Why don't I run a campaign based on that slogan? Vote for me. Because whatever I'd vote for is right. <laughs> I got this down bad. Izzy, did I earn your vote? Yeah, of course. Oh, of hey, course. thank you. Thank you. As long as we're working together, I did. <laughs> as soon as I say something stupid about motivation, then you'll be out. But uh, at least that, that works. Son's a winner. And... Uh, Another loss in the fourth quarter. That This is getting annoying. I mean, it wasn't dramatic. It was 30 to 24. But still, you've got um, around an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and then it gets a little hairy and you start to blow it. Uh, this, is, this is real. This is a trend. And a lot of people think the Suns don't need a point guard. And I admit at the beginning of the year, I was like, you know what? I, I think Booker can handle it. Let, let's see what happens. 
but I can't get over the phrase, and gosh, do I sound like a broken record. So I apologize because I've repeated this so much. How many times did Chris Paul and Devin Booker dominate the fourth quarter? And then Chris Paul would talk about NBA league pass. All I do is either play basketball, be with my family, or watch basketball. And you see all of these teams struggling late in games. We know exactly what we need to get to. They never said what we need to get to. But they always said everybody on the floor knows what we need to get to. In In a sense, what he's saying is where do you go? Where does Booker like to get the ball? Where do I like to get the ball? Where's even eight, even DeAndre Ayton, at least he's a lob threat. He doesn't have anything else, but at least he's a lob threat. So if he's reasonably focused, you might be able to use him that game. So whatever the weapons were, then of course, Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, everybody has meshed together. We know what we're going to do. And whatever you counter us with we know how to counter that so since we're all on the same page you can't guard everything then they got what they wanted this team i'm clearly going to use that against them how can you be one of the worst teams in the fourth quarter and it's still this late the year i mean that's kind of on frank vogel and it's kind of on the players what are you guys not getting are you seriously mentally checking out Or is it a case where there isn't a point guard that's done a good enough job directing you? That's a problem. The thrill of this game, however, was the beginning. Devin Booker, he won the first quarter 20-17. He had 20 points. The Rockets had 17 points. And I like what what you played in the four-minute offense, Izzy. It was interesting hearing Booker say, hey, that's the shots I've been missing today. They fell. But I don't. I, my percentage is above league average. I'm going to keep shooting. I have always thought this about Devin Booker, and this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Uh, it'll be popular with Izzy, but it'll be an unpopular opinion in in the city. I don't think Devin Booker is. How do I want to say this? I don't think he's automatic enough from three. He's a good three point shooter. But with his skill as a shooter, I think he should be an elite three-point shooter. I'm talking maybe not Larry Bird, Ray Allen. Have you ever even heard the name Dale Ellis, Izzy? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, that's, like, that's really old school. But those three, when I think of elite three-point shooters, there's where mine, mine goes. It doesn't go to Pistol Pete because I'm too young, and Pistol Pete, you know, rarely played with a three-point line. I think he had one at the very, very end of his career, but he was a very deep shooter and an excellent shooter. And then, of course, the modern day of Dame Time and Steph Curry and things like that. But there's a lot of times when Booker's open and he doesn't make it. When I say a lot, I mean, obviously – any shooter who's great is still not hitting the majority of their three-pointers. But the, the way analytics refers to it is when you are more than six feet open, when there's nobody within six feet of you, I would like to see Booker, I'm being totally serious, hit around 55% of those. I, and I mean when he's that open. And then obviously contested threes would bring the percentage way down. Well, yesterday he went six of 11. He was fantastic. And just hitting them all over the place in the first quarter. I really liked his level of aggression. Now, 
Later in the game, there was a little bit of a shoving match, okay? I won't give you my opinion of it first. If you're listening to the podcast, Amazon, Google, Spotify, tune in, thank you. I mean, you are driving the Unplugged Army, thank you. However, if you get a minute, look at WTSMTV.com and take a look at the possibility of becoming a basic member. So when I say something on the podcast, you can go back and watch it. Because I do think this is important for you to see this if you're a Suns fan and judge it yourself. Here is a couple clips of Devin Booker kind of getting shoved around a little bit. Tell me what you think. Long memory. Let's see this shot there. And see it starting there. And have a little bit of a shove. shoulder. Shove and, and some words. And a chest bump. Some more pushing and shoving. And then the two guys ultimately had to be celebrated. Royce O'Neal playing cleat. Before I give you my opinion, Izzy, what'd you think? It was all Devin Booker's fault. He look, he started it. <laughs> we we can't have this hooligan causing problems. But in all, in all seriousness, I mean, it was chippy throughout that whole game. Yeah. And I mean, Devin Booker is known for being a trash talker, so you kind of figure something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. My opinion of it is, if it's real basketball, it was handled excellently. Both guys got a technical, double technical. Let's move on. The shove from Whitmore in was not like I read it. When I read about what happened, I couldn't believe Whitmore wasn't ejected. When I saw it, I was like, what are you talking about? Because everybody made it sound like he got pushed on his follow through, which you can really screw up your ankle if you get pushed while you're coming down. It, Booker was completely down when he got shoved. And it was almost so, so much after the fact that Booker started to come up the floor when uh, when he got shoved so that's that's kind of an instigator by Whitmore so because something happened you've got to give him a technical but Whitmore didn't really do anything for a while and then Booker came back with the shove that's it you know he, he's punking him a little bit okay double technicals let's move on so I like the way the referees handled it in in the real sense now this is where people are going to get a think I'm being a little weird what bothered me about it is if that was Steph Curry, if that was Jordan, if that was the greats of the game, and no, I'm not comparing Booker to them, but I just I want you to think about this for, for a second. If we have a guy on another team that's a four- or five-time all-star that's got his own shoe that people are buying tickets to go see, Don't you think the referees would watch the review, first little shove from Whitmore technical, Booker's the one that made it keep going technical, and then at the very end, there's this weird like half-punch roundhouse attempt from Whitmore where he doesn't land it, and it's not really a straight-on punch, but it's more of I'm throwing my hand up here, and I'm hoping I'm connecting a little bit, but... I think if that's a star, Whitmore gets ejected. I do. I think if it's a star, if it's somebody elevated status, he gets ejected. If it's somebody else, he doesn't. So then I look at the NBA and I look at the refs and I say, where, does, where is Booker? Where is Booker? Why do you not consider Booker at that status? So I hope I'm not confusing you. Do I think Whitmore should have been ejected? No. I don't. Do I think the referees handled it very well? Yes. Do I think it exposes a double standard that other teams' all-stars would have been protected? Yes, 
I do think that. Is he ripped me? Because I know. I know in your mind you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, but do you disagree? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, because, I mean, in, I feel like in that aspect, if the situation was different, if that was Kevin Durant doing all the shoving, I don't think anybody gets ejected either. I think everybody kind of stays on the floor. So what, so let's superimpose, let, let's change people out. Cam Whitmore, same dude. Yep. And I am, who do you say is number one in the NBA right now? Is it Curry? Is it LeBron? Who's number one? Number one? Uh, f- well, for argument's sake, look, we just go LeBron. Okay. You know what? The size might matter there. They might just go double technical and it's over with LeBron. <laughs> also, with, Steph Curry, yeah. With Curry, Bill, you know, I'm gonna, I think you're right. LeBron's number one, but I'm going to choose Curry because I want the sympathy vote here from all the small <laughs> people and the little guys with the little engine that could. If it's Curry in for Booker and this happens, do you think Whitmore gets ejected? Oh, if this is Curry? Yeah. Oh, man. See? Uh, yeah, I was like, you got to think about that. Yeah. That's I mean. my point. Like, you and I can have a, an intelligent conversation, and we will all agree. Curry, Booker. Okay? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I don't even mean that as, hey, you got you get to pick in the, in the draft. Who do you want with what you know, Curry or Booker? I'm not even talking about skill level. I'm just talking about Q rating. I'm talking about biggest guy in the league. Clearly, Curry's over Booker. But to me, that's my point, that it shows the way the NBA looks at Booker. That the, An NBA ref doesn't look at Booker as, I've got to protect him and send a signal to Houston, nobody touches Booker. Right. It's like, boom, you guys are basically equals, double T, let's move. Just from the shoving match, it's exactly what should have happened. It's not really a big deal. Man, that happens on the playground all the time, okay? That's nothing. But... Is he not a four-time All-Star that needs protecting? The NBA said, no, you're not. I think that's – now, here's why I'm saying all that. If I'm Frank Vogel, I make that point to Booker. To get, let's get ready for Houston. I wonder what's going to happen. Is everybody going to be on their best behavior? Somehow I see Scott Foster making an appearance Sunday. Does anybody else feel that way? <laughs> I do want to go back on one of your comments earlier about okay. Devin Booker at the three-point line because I do think that from three-point range, yeah. I think that's actually pretty cool. Well, I think he's more effective. He has more of like a Chris Paul type of a game where I'm terrified if he pulls up from mid-range. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anywhere mid-range, I'm terrified of Devin Booker. Outside, I don't want him to get that open three, but I have to contest it. Like, I have to go out there and yes, contest. Yes. Number one, because I want to hear his mouth. But, like, number two, <laughs> I got I to gotta go out there and to show 110% effort. I look at it this way. I think he's an above-average three-point shooter. Yeah. But – in the upper echelon of where I think Booker's skill level is, I actually think that's it's not bad enough to be a weakness in any way. But if there's an element to his game that I would like, you're like do we really think this is going to happen? Hey, Doug, I'm Devin Booker. Uh, what do you think I should improve on? Okay, but if if if, if he's asking. I'm saying I think there's more in your game to be deadly from three, to be right under Steph. You're not Steph. Nobody's Steph. This is this could be the greatest shooter of all time. I think he is. I just don't have the historical knowledge to I mean, the stories I've heard about Pistol Pete are just crazy. Just crazy. And I'll actually throw a crazy name at you. What if Nash played today in the after the the Currys of the world? Steve Nash was phenomenal as a shooter. He just believed in, I want to give you the shot. 
But after the ball worked its way around, if if Steve Nash got it above the three, I mean, automatic. It was crazy. But since he didn't do it, I can't put him there. But I feel like it. Bird was unbelievable. But Bird shot maybe four or five threes a game. And now, you know, Curry's at nine, 11 threes a game. So I bring this up that I don't think Booker is Curry. I'm not even trying to sell you that Booker is Curry. But I am trying to sell you on his stroke is that good, so why don't we look at him as an elite three-point shooter? And you know, a lot of times when someone says that, you're blaming fans and media. You're not giving my guy enough credit. No, on this one, I'm flipping it over. I'm looking at Booker and saying, why aren't you considered upper echelon three-point shooter? Am I wrong? I On that one, I don't think so. No, no. And... Even as even in terms of him being protected, I think there's you have to have that certain level of greatness to be in terms of LeBron James, Steph Curry. I don't think guys like Luca and Anthony Davis. I don't think guys like them gets yeah. well. Anthony Davis maybe a little bit because the Lakers. I do think they get a little bit of a favorite. Yeah, I think they do. Call I don't it. think Luca gets calls because Luca's such a whiner on the other side. That if, too. Yes. If Luca would keep his, I don't want to say keep his mouth shut, but if he would argue like a man, and I'm sure Luca doesn't like me saying that, but man, he looks like a six foot ten inch guy that needs to drive to work in a car seat. The way he throws little fits on the court, I think it costs him calls on the other side that a superstar would get. The made up fouls that a superstar gets just by yelling. I don't think Luca gets as many because referees are like I'm not rewarding you because of the way you try to show me up down there if he kept his mouth shut i think he'd get a lot more calls um i'm gonna try to cram in uh sons here i, I want to do more sons but i'm clock juggling in my head i admit uh let's let's go to vogel and uh and or no actually i want to go i want to do nurkic will you give me nurkic three yeah. and then and then after that we'll just go straight down the page uh but i want to go nurkic three number one because as we talked about booker um oh i haven't i haven't played booker one yet have i we were talking about booker so, and, and, but we haven't actually had booker talk about the uh, the little scrum so give me booker one if you would izzy here is a booker after the game being asked okay double technical what's going going on with you and Cam? Uh, started last last game, um, same thing. Um, just competing, being extra physical. Um, I mean, I like it. You know, I've been in these situations plenty of time before. So, you know, I was that same young player doing that same thing. Uh, I remember doing it to Jimmy Butler my rookie year, him going in post game after talking about me. Um, plenty of people. So, you know, you, you never want to back down and, you know, I respect going at a top player, and you just got to be ready for it. <laughs> Did you catch that little thing at the end? He's either being unbelievably humble and calling Cam Whitmore a top player. Or he's saying, I respect Cam for coming at a top player, and I'm a top player. <laughs> I mean, he's right. It's just funny that he said it. It's just funny that he said it. But I, uh, I do, I do kind of like good job, Cam. You came at a tough. What I want to know though is I want to know about Sunday. I want to know about Sunday because I guarantee you Booker's ready. Okay, Booker is already ready. If if you're a fan, when you look at the schedule, okay, the second time in three days to see the Houston Rockets, you're not gonna run to buy a ticket. 
I mean, listen, Suns games are great. I'm a big Suns fan. I loved memories of taking kids to games, stuff like that. However, when you're looking at this little schedule, like I'm really interested in Monday night. I'm really interested to see because I I have a feeling Beal's going to play Sunday, limited minutes. And then, like really limited minutes, just to kind of stretch out a little bit. And then he's going to play for real Monday. And I think Frank Vogel really wants to see and the players want to see, all right, OKC, how good are you? How good are you? You're a two seed. Is this real? Let's let's see. Let's. I think that this is actually a small message game. I think they want Oklahoma City to know this is what it's like when you come here. If you're going to be here in the playoffs, this is what it's like. So I, I really believe that. So therefore, you as a fan might be thinking, "Hey, I got to get to the game against uh, Oklahoma City." If Booker wins the first quarter, twenty to seventeen against Houston, and they're before there's a little scuffle, just based on the trash from the last time they played Houston. Now they're playing Houston again post scuffle. Doesn't anybody feel like Izzy? I'm I'm calling my shot. You know what? Let's let's cheat right now and, and look this up for a second. I am going to go to a gambling website and see they might not have it posted for tomorrow night. But I want to see if I can find a player prop for points for tomorrow. Usually they those get printed up the day before. And yeah, I don't see anything for tomorrow. I'll set the over under at I'm going to set it very high, Izzy. I'm going to set it at 41 and a half. All right? You're taking Booker over, under, or you're not taking the bet? I'm going under. There it is. He's clearly going over 41. Over. Over. I've got the juice. I'm telling you, Booker is going to come in, and he is going to be fire against the Rockets on Tuesday or on uh, on Saturday. Is that yeah, that's when they play Saturday. I think I said Oklahoma City was Monday and I think I butchered that. Um let me cheat now that I've butchered everything. There's Sunday, right? I mean yeah, Sunday. I I was kind of right. Uh it's three games and four nights but sat, but but no, it's not. It's not three games. I've been saying for weeks it's three games and four nights. Guess what I just found out? It's not. <laughs> It's you're right, Booker. No, wait, Suns there. Okay, see, yeah, it is three games at four nights. Yeah, so I do have it right. Okay, here I couldn't even read my own writing. There it is. Saturday night, tomorrow night, Suns versus Houston at seven, and then Suns versus OKC seven thirty on Sunday. So there you go. So yes, I, I think Booker's going to go off tomorrow, and uh, and I'm taking it forty one and a half. So therefore, I'm not betting you a bobblehead. And uh, it's very unfair for anybody to bet their own producer lunch because the producer should never buy the host lunch. That's just crappy. Um, so hey, I'll, I'll stock up on beer. I'll stock up the beer. I'll stock up on beer on Sunday. On. Sunday, Monday. Are you a Costco member? I'm not. Okay. Oh, is that where your favorite beer is? Kill, at? Well, no, 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 no. You can get Kill Lifter anywhere. It's just Kill Lifter's only a buck a can at, at, at oh. Costco. You can get a case for twenty four dollars. It's just it's unbelievable. But yeah, just grab a six pack. Just grab a six pack. Oh, okay, say no more. Yeah, and uh, look at that. I, I appreciate that you've already know you've lost. So that's oh yeah, sure. I'll grab. Oh no, no, there's no. But way. then I've. But you don't. You're not a beer guy. So what do you want if uh, if Booker goes for thirty eight? Um. 
Just give me one of those giant Hershey bars. You, you ever seen those Hershey bars? Yeah. It's in the aisle. Just okay. give me one of those giant ones. Okay, like there you go. There you go. Giant, but uh, no nuts, just boom, plain chocolate? Yeah, just plain chocolate. Okay, there you go. Just give All me right. the block. All right, the block. Here we go. There's, there's the bet. The block versus the beer coming up <laughs> with Devin Booker. 41 and a half is the uh, official line. I'll tell you what. I got a lot more on Suns, and I haven't gotten to it that's kind of not just Booker. So let's do that next. So I got more Suns to do. I want to get into a little bit of the combine. You've got to know about that. And we've got to mock 14 straight losses. Oh, my goodness. That's coming up next. Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club and Wild Horse Pass. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker and Son, 602-2-REPAIR. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602-2-REPAIR. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. It's a beer Friday. It is not Town Hall 2. However, I got two tweets here I think we should go over very quickly because one of them is completely my fault, but I'm going to blame Jeff Weir Production for no reason. Farmer Braxton tweeted, hey, I don't often get to watch live, so I don't know when this stopped, but what happened to starting the broadcast early? I missed the beginning of the show today because it came online and you went live and I had to refresh. And uh, by the way, the app, uh, it needs some work. <laughs> okay. Number one, Izzy, nobody told you this. Dustin on Town Hall Tuesday one time had a great point of how difficult it is. Like he missed 10 minutes of the show one time because he has to sit there and keep refreshing all the time. So Jeff Weir Production figured out, start the music, that boring intro, that no, 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 blah, blah, blah. Start that at like quarter till 10 till six. That way, if somebody hits refresh, we're now live right then and there. So then they don't have to keep trying to time out the refresh if we start right at six. So even though you and I start right at six, start the quote unquote broadcast about 10 minutes early with music. And I don't think we ever told you that. Did we? No, but then again, I have seen it before, so. I don't, I don't, listen, think of Uncle Dan. I'll never forget this. Uncle Dan taught me, I drove a 1981 Honda Accord, which so therefore, a car that's, you know, made some 20 years before you were born or so. And that was the car that, that was my first car. There was a little blue bomber. I I had an insulting name for it that everybody knew, but I, I loved the car, honestly, because I'm a pretty big dude in this little thing, in this little bitty cockpit, so it was kind of funny driving it. But anyway, 
when I first learned how to wash a car, I was washing the dirty part because the sides were a mess. And my uncle says, wash the top of the car. Why? It's not that dirty. Because it is dirty. And if you wash it later, then all of the dirt is going to run down the part you've already cleaned. Wash the top. Use gravity to your advantage. And I thought... Well, of course, that's stupid. Why didn't I know that? And he goes, never expect someone to know something they haven't been taught. Ah, oh, that's dope. That is. <laughs> that is. Now, yes, you love people to anticipate, figure stuff out. Yeah, all of that's true. That makes somebody a better. OK, that's great. But still look at yourself if somebody doesn't know something and they haven't been taught. Now, if you teach somebody the same thing, I put the number at about three. I'll teach you something once, and if you don't get it, man, I'm the same way. That happens. I'll teach you something a second time. I'm like, hey, okay, let's go. I teach you something a third time, and you still don't get it. Then I'm kind of like, you're never going to get it. <laughs> you know, I admit. Then I kind of start checking out a little bit. No one's told you that, so there's no way that you should have known. So that's tweet number one. Tweet number two, Robert C.A.Z., I'm thinking about making you judge of Doug Franz Unplugged. Here he goes. Totally agree with your take on Booker not being treated like a superstar on the three. Donaghy's each night on that, despite what Isaiah says. Oh, especially when one ref is Bill Kennedy, who was below average as a Pop Warner official back in the day. Hashtag Unplugged Army. Robert C.A.Z., I think this is fair. Izzy and I, 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 I don't know if Izzy feels like this because I'm so much older than he is. I consider Izzy a friend. Oh, yeah. But we disagree a lot. And therefore, we need a judge. So, Robert C.A.Z., as long as you agree with me, you're the judge of Doug Franz Unplugged. <laughs> as, as, as long as it's not a Devin Booker-related topic, I, I want a new judge. Okay. <laughs> we need, we need <laughs> no, a different judge. Good. That's good. That's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, I, I love that. I, I, and I love – listen, I'm not, I don't want Izzy to hear this, but I love what Izzy's bringing to the show. So, Unplugged Army, feel free on Town Hall Tuesday. Let me know what you think uh, about the interaction. Let's get back to Suns. I like that one of the first things Frank Vogel wanted to talk about, granted, he was asked the question, but he's coming strong. This is a major, major issue. It doesn't last from November, October, really, October to March and not be a major issue. This is a bad fourth quarter team with superstars on the team. They lost the fourth quarter 30-24, to therefore a game that I'm not going to say was in hand at an 11-point lead, but got hairy because of it. Frank, what's going on in the fourth? We got put into the line the whole second half, you know, and uh, yeah, so it was tough to get a tough to get offensive rhythm. You know, obviously we got to be better than we, than we showed tonight in the fourth, but credit the Rockets playing really good defense. They're a good defensive team. Um, I think we didn't play through our counters well enough when they were switching and when they were double teaming, double teaming pick and rolls. Um, but definitely got to be better there. Loved what he said there at the end. I went through it a little bit with you on Wednesday night when I was talking about Arizona State's offense. Arizona State was not calling bad plays. They were not running bad plays. They were doing things that were does, that were matched up well. That offense versus that specific defense against that personnel, that would have worked if you actually run the offense and not walk the offense. Okay? Can you understand the difference? Everybody says, hey, run the offense. No, no, no. Run the offense. 
Don't jog the offense. And that's what ASU was doing Wednesday night. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to stand here. I, you might use the screen. You might not. Then I'm going to wander over here. Up. That didn't work. Oh, my gosh. It was awful. And that is lack that is selfish playing and bad coaching when that happens you got to drop the hammer on people when they're just basically walking through an offense no offense works when you walk through it one guy can guard two people and i like what where he is going there of we didn't get through our counters Hey, the defense already anticipated what you're about to do, but there's a counter. There's a backdoor cut. There's a weak side pass, a skip pass. There's getting the ball to the backside through a paint touch. There's all of these things we're supposed to be doing when they block something, when they anticipate something. And I like that he called them out on it. Now, Frank, I love what you're saying. But why did that not resonate in November? Why did that not resonate in December? Why did it about da, 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 da? Okay, at some point, Frank, let's go. That's on you. Um, this is one where he's talking about the team and at least parts of the game were good, but continually being locked in defensively for 48 minutes. Yeah, we just executed what we're trying to do. I don't want to get in. We play them in two days. I don't want to get into what, what exactly we're trying to do. But, um, you know, our defensive uh, disposition and being locked in was was really good. And we got a feel for how we, things we want to do with these guys. And you know, obviously Jalen Green got going, you know, from three, but overall shot a low percentage. Um, but I thought we were locked in defensively. Um, whenever you hold a very athletic, quick team who cares more about offense than defense to 105 points, that's a good game. I wish he would have said been a little more critical of the fourth quarter defense. I think, though, his feeling on the fourth quarter defense is that had more to do with bad offense. Bad offense is a great way to destroy your defense. And maybe that's why he wasn't as critical on the fourth quarter defense. But 30-point quarters with this team are way too common. Way too common. Um, What I do like is him talking about taking on Houston and basically playing them three times in a week and a half and being confident about it. Uh, We know how we want to attack this team. Defensively, and you know, we we create those situations for book, uh, and book can really get going. You know, so again, without getting too too far into it, because we're playing them in, in two days, um, you know, book was great. That if I am, that's not bulletin board, but if I'm the Houston coaching staff, I'm playing this quote from Frank Vogel: "We know how we want to attack this team." A lot of times people get on coaches because they think the coach doesn't know what to do. A lot of times that's not it. Most coaches know what to do. The disconnect is being able to get the players to execute it, either because you don't have the players to execute it or because you're not doing a good enough job coaching them to do it. Now, at the pro ranks, that could be they're not listening. That's a whole different argument, but still they're not getting it done. So if I'm the Houston coaching staff, I'm explaining Hey, they already know how they want to attack you. I'm telling you, I'm watching the film. This is what they're doing. This is what they want to do to you. This is the counter. This is the defense. This is what you do to stop it. Are you guys willing to sacrifice? 
So that's going to be an interesting dynamic of what does – I think you're going to see a young team play better defensively against Houston – or against the Suns. And, yes, I still think Booker's going for 41 and a half. Um, so what about your fourth quarter defense, Coach? Why, why, why did you give up 30-point quarter? Uh, we just – we got a little – crossed up on who, who we want to go at, you know, defensively and, um, you know, in terms of, you know, their targets and, um, you know, so, you know, I think you just got to make sure that we're spaced appropriately, you know, and we got to make good decisions and we got to make our free throws. There's, there's a lot there. And he's also talking about offensively, where is the weak point? Every defense has a weak point. Where are we going? And how are we going to attack it? I found it interesting that he called out the free throw shooting. I don't remember having that stat. Gl- oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Why did that? that? That's not real. No way. According to the stats, I, I'm so sorry I missed this. It says they only shot 35% as a team. Is that right? Well, O'Neal, that's for three. O'Neal... That's not true. Okay, I, I did misread it. Thank you. That was a three-point shooting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was going to say, I know Nurkic struggled a little bit. I think he went 50%. Yeah, the stats, the stat line, it was like I'm on a page that the margins moved a little bit. So I was acting like I would I looked at it the first time. Uh, you nailed that. He went 8 of 16 from the line. So the team shot 67%. That's wonderful for a high school team. Wonderful for a high school team. Okay, for a college team. Not what you need from a pro team. Everybody else did pretty good. So that's without him taking a shot at Nurkic that's taking a shot at Nurkic 70% for Durant that's actually low for KD 7 of 10 O'Neal was perfect Booker was a perfect 3 for 3 Eubanks went 2 for 2 Bull Bull went 1 for 2 but come on get over it and Saban Lee went 2 for 2 yeah Nurk going 8 of 16 you got to make half of the half that you missed so he's got to get to 12 of 16 and then that's not quite a game changer but that's a that's pretty big deal you know what since you went there let me skip the page i know i told you i want vogel five will you skip to vogel seven um because i don't look at nurkic as a disastrous free throw shooter in any way from from a normal standpoint so do you mind if i cheat and see if my if i have any idea what i'm talking about um his free throw yeah his free throw percentage this year is 67 percent. that's not great but i mean we're not talking hack-a-shack or anything like that at 67 percent. but obviously the rockets realize you're not making your free throws and put them on the line 16 times coach did you think you had to do anything different because of hack a nerk he was a 69 percent free throw shooter um teams are not going to hack-a-shack those percentages um he was having off off night at the line they were down so they're trying to, again, muck the game up. You know, they junked it up, made it ugly. It was an ugly game. But um, we prevailed. In other words, big deal, it's one game. Okay, let's watch that. Let's keep an eye on that. Uh, I, I agree with Frank Vogel's sentiment. But let's keep an eye on it with Nurkic only going 50%. Good job pointing that out, uh, Izzy. Thanks. Let's go back down the page now. Vogel 5 And uh, I think this is – I like that he says this because the Suns are rarely going to have home court advantage, if at all, in these playoffs. I think we're uh, we're getting confident in this building. You know, we we didn't start the season strong here. 
Um, but I feel like we're, uh, you know, opponents are, are, are starting to realize that they come in here and, and we're going to guard, guard our ass off. We're going to defend really at a, at a high level and we're going to make shots most nights. Okay. We didn't have a great shooting night tonight. Um, but this is going to be a place where, you know, the ball is going to go in a lot and you're going to see some tough ass defense. Saban's been getting. So Suns are 20 and 11 at home. Izzy goes to about five times more games than I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer to you on this, Izzy. Tell me if you think I have a clue when I say this. Pre-KD trade, the way the fans, and I'm in this boat too, loved Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Homegrown guys, not all, I mean, the, any city in America, when you draft guys that are great human beings first, then you watch them with incredible work ethic and you see their games develop in front of you. And in, sh- in a few short years, they're much better players than you even drafted. You fall in love with a team like that. Then they go on a playoff run that hasn't been around here in 10 years. The, the crowds were off the hook for the other teams, some of the Monty teams, before the KD trade. I'm not faulting any crowd here at all because you're showing up. But after the KD trade, it's kind of more like, I expect championship basketball and you're not doing it. So it's almost like guarded. I'm here for you. I'm buying the ticket. But I'm not going to scream my head off and embarrass myself in front of my Paradise Valley friends until I see you guys going all out. Am I? Do you feel that while you're there, that the crowds are still there, but it's not the same? Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I don't want nobody to take this the wrong way, but I felt like there was a little bit of delusion after the after the trade and by saying that i mean everybody just immediately expected success yes expected yes and not even just for that year for years to come and so as you see them struggling right now and that's now no fault of the suns you know, dealing with injuries as well you, you see a lot of fans coming to reality so they came to the conclusion that yeah okay we're here we have the stars mm. now they're worried can they get the win your your opinion on that i i will never say this again in our relationship is, is more logical than i am uh <laughs> Um, Because I I think you nailed it. Mine, it was more, I still love the Suns, but I don't love this team the same way. It was almost like, like, look at me, a whole bunch of people my age, a whole bunch of guys in their 50s of families that felt like Cam Johnson and even Booker to an extent. But Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, some people like D.A. I never understood that. And, and Booker, because he was drafted like these are our kids and we've seen them go through so much. And oh, my gosh. And it's just this elation of joy that you can't control the emotion. And now it's like, OK, entertain me. You guys are supposed to win a championship. You're not doing it. You know, and it was like almost I love my sons, but I I like my team versus the old team under Monty was I love my team and I love my sons. Do you buy into what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think people still have that love. I think a lot of people still love Mikael Bridges here. Oh yeah, I, but oh, yeah. a lot of people just came to the conclusion: oh, that was worth a sacrifice. Like no, a no-brainer situation. Yes, yes I'm just, it's a success. That's good. Uh, give me a Saban Lee getting more and more playing time now that he's healthy. Frank Vogel, what do you see from Lee? 
Yeah, it's been great. We're trying to, you know, we had a couple couple games where Book um, with Brad out, you know, Book playing the whole the whole first. Um, we feel like Saban can come in and get Book off the ball a little bit. And we feel like that's that's benefited. It's, it's uh, you know, had, had strong benefits the last two games. But, but Saban's making solid plays, you know, and uh, he's playing within himself. He's not trying to force, uh, but he has a, an ability to get downhill and, and finish around the basket and um, and drive and kick, you know, and get guys over. We got Royce that corner three tonight. Um, and he can get Book off the ball on some of the actions. So there's benefits there. Don't want to build it up. It's eight minutes. Guy played eight minutes. But – there is there is a little something there of possibly getting Booker rest while playing. I think that makes sense. You're still in, but you're not bringing the ball up. Get Booker off the ball, get him into a rhythm shooting-wise that should translate when he comes back and takes over the point again when Saban goes to the bench. So I, I, I think that's an interesting thing to see what Saban Lee can do. Not building up Saban Lee as being the savior in any way, but building him up to help Booker a little bit more. All right, quickly, let's go to Nurkic, and then I can't wait to talk combine with you. Um Nurkic is playing better, more double doubles, and uh, and and actually, I don't, he did not dominate in any way, but he pushed people around yesterday. Just being physical, you know, try to make him take jump shots, and I think I did mostly of that. You know, I take a pride. I feel like there's not a lot of people can play and post up with me, you know, especially on strength. But um, he's, he have a great, you know, great year as far as that. But um, just trying to make people take a jump shots, you know especially with one leg, and I think we're going to live with that. You're right, but don't go four for ten. <laughs> Against the Rockets, you're too big. No four for tens, okay? You're, you're, you're that big. Don't talk about your strength and go four for ten. All right, give me, give me seven. So I, I, want, I want 65% from the field from you every game, Nurkic. Let's go. Unless threes, not not starting to starting to drift on you shooting threes. Uh, what about Hackershack? How, how uh, what happened? You went fifty percent from the free throw line. I love it, man. I hope they do that every game. Sixteen free throws, I take it. You know, uh, I, you know, I showed bad that I'm not really Shaq like tonight. You know, obviously, I was definitely Shaq tonight, but eight for sixteen. But um, hopefully, they do the next game too. You know, you know, I would love that change to you know, shoot free throws like that. But um, no matter what I'm dealing with or injury I'm at, I have to make these free throws. No excuse. You know the dumbest opinion I've ever heard in basketball history? Shaquille O'Neal used to always say, it doesn't matter, I'll make them when I need to. You know, if you made them in the first three quarters, your team would have been up so big, you probably could have rested and been on the bench. I just always thought that was stupid. It's scary to think of what Shaquille O'Neal and Wilt Chamberlain could have done if they could just hit free throws. And some people would say Shaq was working on it. Come on. Come on. It doesn't matter how many free throws you shoot in practice when all of your form has your elbow out here. Elbow, elbow, elbow. Sorry to go elementary. If the elbow is below the ball, guess what? Then you can start to judge distance and every shot is the same motion. So then it's just learning distance. When the elbow is here, it's never going to be consistent. The elbow moves around. No free throw is the same when you get your elbow pointing the wrong way. Elbow points down. Thank you. 
Izzy, was that a good lesson? Do you feel like a more competent free throw shooter now? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to get to the line right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that shows, like, when's the last time anybody shot free throws at the, at the park? Come on. Um, okay. <laughs> the last one is, uh, is Nurkic talking about Cam Whitmore blocking his shot. And just Cam Whitmore in general. Man, the kid, you know, did some some in, in uh, Houston, too. We remember. So they want to play that nonsense basketball. They, I understand they're young and, you know, they got to fight up and they're going to have a good coach. And, you know, I think they're great, you know, set up for the future. But it's just we don't want to play the anti-basketball. And I want to always, have, you know, back on my teammates. I've never heard that. It might be a little bit of the language barrier, but I like what he said. They want to play nonsense basketball. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Like, if you know the English language really, really well, you would never say nonsense basketball. But as you put the pieces together and you're, you're into the language with, with it being your second language, that's a great phrase. The Rockets play nonsense basketball. I wonder if that, I wonder if that'll resonate. I don't think it will, but I wonder if that'll resonate a little bit. And this is so interesting to have two chippy games in a week and now you're playing them again tomorrow. All right, coming up next. I got D-backs I want to get into, and I've got uh, some heavy combine stuff. My guy has been verse, verse, verse as far as a pass rusher because I like the idea of trading down, stocking up picks, and the assumption that Dallas Turner is gone if you trade down. Am I going to get sucked into a workout warrior? I didn't know it was 83 inches. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on the home of the Rattlers, WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. It's okay. Don't get excited about the combine. Don't get excited about the combine. Don't get excited about the combine. The thing I like to use the NFL combine for is who did I miss? And what I mean by that is I watched the, and, and full disclosure, I did. I was at a Rattlers event yesterday. I did not watch any of it yesterday. I watched a couple highlights, but didn't really watch it. And I'm going to watch the whole thing over the weekend. Yes, I'm that guy. Uh, feel free to rip me. But in it's watching guys that either I don't know a lot about or statistical guys that test very well. And I remember. I didn't see them pop when I watched them play. Okay, that, that's and then I like I try to go back, talk to other people. Hey, I don't know a lot about this guy, but man, I liked him at the combine. Oh no, workout wonder. Okay, people help me up. Blah 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 blah. 
everybody knows about Dallas Turner. There's nobody that doesn't know Dallas Turner that is a draft nick. Every team knows about him. Already going to be um, a, a high pick, blah, 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 blah. Okay? That's already there. Yet, when he got measured yesterday, holy crap. That was, that was some game changer stuff when, when he got measured. And the wingspan, what'll happen is when you see somebody's numbers, okay, so let me break down the numbers. 40 and a half vert, 10 foot seven broad jump. I understand if you say, okay, how many times do you broad jump the whole line of scrimmage and make a tackle? I get it. But it does translate to the best athletes at that position jump here. Okay? So at least you know what kind of athlete am I getting. Then you watch the tape and say, are they together? Okay? Jerry Rice, slow running a 40. Jerry Rice, always open. Therefore, the 40 doesn't matter. His route is so perfect, the 40 doesn't matter. He runs every route, makes it look like the same route, so you can't jump it. And now he's fast enough when he breaks off the route that you were sold on something else. That's why he gets open. So his 40 time doesn't matter. When you watch Dallas Turner play, this is the number that just totally freaked me out. And let me find it. 83-inch wingspan. So you get measured basically middle finger to middle finger, okay? And then they measure you. He's got an 83. That's like Mikhail Bridges stuff. Do you ever look at Mikhail Bridges and think, man, that guy could tie his shoes without bending over. That, that's now Dallas Turner. So what does that mean? If you watch him play and he's short-arming people, it doesn't matter how long his arms are. But you watch and you see he does take advantage of it. The way he gets that jam. And then it's called your bend. It's basically, imagine standing up against a wall. Okay, you're standing up against a wall. Now, with the wall on your left shoulder, take one step sideways to the right. And now lean up against the wall. So now you're at this angle, okay? That is what they mean by your lean or the bend in which Dwight Freeney probably had one of the best ones in which how are you able to run around the edge? I know this sounds really dumb, but imagine a wall with an exterior corner, not an interior corner like the one behind me, but an exterior corner. Now run around that corner while keeping your shoulder on the wall obviously you would want to round the corner off a little bit to make it comfortable but that's what you're doing as an edge rusher where the tackle is pushing on your shoulder and how are you able to quote unquote what's called run the hoop run around a big hula hoop with somebody holding your shoulder on the interior of the hoop how do you get around that really well Dallas Turner's unbelievable because of that wingspan so when the numbers back up the tape that's how you actually shock people and go up higher than you were already high. Then he turns around and has the vert and the broad jump to prove his athleticism. Then he gives you 204. I, I want him to weigh a little bit more at 247 pounds, but Dwight Freeney made it work. Then he runs a 4.46.40. Listen, I understand a lot of agents saying don't work out. Why even risk getting hurt? You're already a top-notch player. Why this? Why that? Dallas Turner is why this, why that.
there were some idiots like me that tried to argue, I like Jared Verse better than Dallas Turner. I no longer like Jared Verse, but now you might say, Doug, quit watching people in pajamas and making judgments. That's a fair criticism of me. But I'm not all of a sudden judging Dallas Turner. I'm not moving Dallas Turner from third round to first round. I'm just saying if he has that many gifts for a guy that's already notched over 20 sacks, okay, now I know what I'm getting. And unless there's an attitude issue, then I'm, I'm moving Dallas Turner up. Then you combine that with a Nick Saban defensive education, boom, winner, winner. I'm not going to say chicken dinner because I, I, I like chicken, but I'd rather have steak. And nobody says winner, winner, steak dinner. So Dallas Turner, home run, okay? The, now let's go into some of the sound and some of the fun of the, uh, of the day yesterday. It is front defensive front seven on the field yesterday, but it's a day of tight ends and defensive backs, mostly in front of the media podiums talking. So that's what the places you're going to get. Let's start with uh, Terry and Arnold. He is another Bama and, and Nick Saban's a good or a great defensive coach. He's one of the best ever defensive back coaches. So, to, and we, you know, the Cardinals desperately need a corner. Certainly not at number four. But if they do trade down, I think Terry and Arnold is something that you strongly look at Terry and Arnold. And here's the funny story. He's being interviewed by the Cardinals, so it shows the Cardinals either have interest or they want to fool everybody that they have interest. And guess what JG asked him to do? Um, I would know. It went really good. They wanted to see how I pressed. He told me to get up there and demonstrate my press technique. I said, Coach, do you want me to hit you for real? He said, yeah, hit me for real. So I hit him. Really? <laughs> yeah, I jammed him. Jonathan Gannon, good. Or I shouldn't say good. Excellent high school defensive back. Supposedly going to be a good college defensive back. Got hurt. So you have the Terry and Arnold trained by Nick Saban, then specifically asked to show me your technique, and now, no fear, boom, comes up and jams. Because that's how you knock a receiver off the route. So many routes are timing. So if you're in press coverage, you get that jam, you screwed up the whole timing. You might create a sack on the quarterback simply because you knocked the number one receiver off his route. However, what's every number one receiver judged by? Their ability to get off of press coverage. So the coach who was a defensive back is getting jammed. I mean, jabbed right in the chest to judge how good Arnold is at his jam. that's, That's a good story. And what's funny is remember the grades. Michael Bidwell F, A minus for Jonathan Gannon. As soon as that question was asked to Terry and Arnold about, hey, did you meet with the Cardinals? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> how'd that go? <laughs> yeah. Boom. Instantaneous. I remember the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, and I went at him. I went at the head coach. Already a relationship. Boom. Just like that. I mean, there, JG does connect with people. I'm not trying to sell you that JG is a great head coach. Those are two different things. That means you're a great assistant coach when you relate well to players. 
He's got a long way to go to prove he's a great head coach, but he did not do anything last year where I really thought, up oh, that shows you're not going to be able to get it. There, we, year one of Cliff Kingsbury, it was like, how can you be an offensive play caller and know that little about challenges, that little about timeouts, that little about clock management? How can you be bad at those things as an offensive coordinator? He was bad at it the whole time. I automatically questioned him as a head coach. I thought JG was was one of the better ones I've ever seen coming from the defensive side. Normally defensive coordinators aren't that great at clock management. And and I I think I I think this is off the top of my head. I think I remember two times last year going, "Hey, that was bad." That was it. And for a team that's not that good, that's awesome. So I I there there's a little a bit of an attitude on the connection. All right. Let's get to uh, uh, Coop. He is the uh, uh, DB from Iowa who is a really good corner. He's a fantastic kick returner. Fantastic. So you've got a need there. And when's the last time you felt like returning kicks was a strength? For me, I, for the Cardinals, I would say Pat P's rookie year. Even Pat P's second year, he wasn't that great. I, I, I think it's been that long. And when did Pat P get drafted? 2009? 2008? Something like that? I think it's been 15 years, almost 20, since I really thought the Cardinals were a threat in in the return game. Uh, Coop, what what do you think about the Cardinals? I've I've talked to them a couple times uh, throughout throughout the whole process. Um, You know, those are... Those are really, really good names. You know, Buda Baker's a guy who, who I've watched, you know, you know, quite a bit. Just, just the way he plays the game, how hard he plays it. Um, so he's, he's a lot of fun to watch for sure. Always magic to drop a Buddha reference. Always magic to drop a Buddha reference. Okay, last one. Um, I got a lot of work to do on on this guy. This is Gabe Hall. I've read a lot about him. Baylor DT. I don't know. I I failed a little bit. I didn't watch a lot of Baylor football. So I like when I watch a college game, I kind of absorb it the first time of just who's popping to me, who's standing out then because I like to have a clear picture. Then I'll read a bunch of player breakdowns from like the Mel Kuypers of the world, stuff like that to see, okay, who should I be looking at? And then I'll watch a game again and just focus on that guy and wonder, okay, why didn't he pop the first time? Was I asleep? Did I have too much beer? Is it his fault? Is that a bad game? Okay, why does Mel still like him? If it was a bad game, is he blah, blah, blah. That's kind of my process. So in the few, I think I only watched a half of Baylor, maybe a full game, but Hall didn't pop. So I've read about him and everybody likes him as a mid-second round pick. Like that's really high. So I don't know a lot about him, but he did talk to the Cardinals and a three technique is a massive position of need for the Cardinals. Yeah, I've been with those people. How has that interview process gone? It was really good. It was really funny. I said that. It was <laughs> just good people. You know, I had, had some laughs and stuff like that. Just really good people. Hey, Coach Jonathan Gannon? Uh, I haven't met him. Okay. Where do you think you want to play? Where you feel most comfortable? I'm more comfortable with three technique just because I've had the most grips there, but I also like to like play different positions to get more comfortable than I am with three Okay, here's what I liked about about that or I should say liked I found this interesting 
that you have Jonathan Gannon, a defensive guy, but more of a defensive back. He's in the interview with Terry and Hall. I don't know if, excuse me, uh, Terry and Arnold, I don't know if Gabe Hall forgot who Jonathan Gannon was, but says, I haven't met him, but I've met with the Cardinals. That's a little interesting that JG either wasn't in that meeting or didn't make a presence enough for Hall to realize, hey, that's the head coach right there. Desperate need for a three technique for the Cardinals. The catch is they have more pressing needs than that, even though that's a desperate need. So that's something to keep an eye on in the second round. Most people say that he's about pick 45 or 50. So it would be if you care about mock draft value, the Cardinals should trade down in the second round, or if they've traded down in the first, use a, the second second round pick possibly on, on Gabe Hall. So keep, uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, last thing real quick. Will you give me uh, Dre Nelson? I haven't talked to any Diamondbacks today. And, uh, or no, not Dre. Uh, <laughs> that's dumb. Ryan Nelson. Uh, there's two Nelsons, and Dre is injured and not pitching. So there's no reason to even bring up Dre. Wait, is that Dre Jameson? Yes. I, I, I said Dre J. I said Dre. Will you give me Dre one? And we don't have Dre one. <laughs> and I was thinking, don't say Kyle Nelson. So, because I wanted to say Ryan Nelson. And what did the brilliance do on, on Beer Friday? I didn't get anybody right. I said a pitcher that's, that's uh, not probably won't even pitch with the parent club all year. We'll see. But I want Ryan Nelson because he gave up a solo homer to the only other guy that got a hit on him. One guy got two hits. One was a solo homer. But Ryan Nelson has struck out 10 in five innings so far in the spring. That's kind of impressive. I didn't have a scouting report. What did you know about him? Nothing. I, I know now he's a pretty good hitter. <laughs> yeah. Do you make any other takeaways from the two matches against him? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'll definitely try not to throw him a 2-1 fastball down the middle. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, stuff like that. He's, like, good hitter against uh, a pretty lazy fastball. It's probably going to happen. So. He's talking about Jung-Hoo Lee, and, and Jung-Hoo Lee got two hits off of him, and one of them was a solo homer. But, man, 10 strikeouts in five innings? And, and – Keep in mind, it's not like he's pitching in the seventh and eighth inning, so he's proving, hey, I can get double-A hitters out. Now, again, I don't know what the major league hitter's working on. He might be looking for specific pitches. I, I'm working on hitting the breaking stuff, and here's this rook. Not, not a rookie, but here's this young guy coming out here throwing fastballs. I'm trying to work on something else. I'm fouling off those pitches. Now, finally, boom, it's two strikes. I got to focus, and, and now you've got me with something else. There are so many times you don't know what a veteran is working on. But it's better than him walking 10 guys in five innings. He struck out 10 guys. So you can at least get a little excited about it. The main event is coming up in about 15, 20 minutes here on um, WTSMTV.com. But before we get to the main event, let's talk to Steve about something else as he's doing double duty today. He's got, well, in a sense, what? You have three shows three, today? Three you have shows, the main man. event, you've got your business show, and you've got uh, the pit stop, right? Yep, absolutely. Three shows. Let's see uh, if I'm a wife later on. Check on me. <laughs> Somebody check on me. <laughs> you know what? You will totally forget you said that. And then sometime around 630, just checking on you, Steve. Uh, yeah, well, at that point, I'll be at SmackDown. So I'll be, oh, I'll yeah. My, I'll have my Izzy was talking wind. about that. Yeah, I'll have my second wind. If I'm, uh, so my plan is this. Listen to my day, right? Okay. Three okay. shows, right? I'm going to get out of here right away. 
Um, I've got to go pick up my daughter from her school, so it's an hour drive from here. I got to drop her off at her mom's house because she's got a school dance she wants to go to tonight, so okay. she's not going to SmackDown. Then I got to get home. I got to get Ethan and uh, Autumn's going. We got to pick up Ethan's friend as well. We got to drive to Glendale tonight. SmackDown, you know, get over eight. What do you mean? Glendale's so. like eight miles away. Yeah, exactly. An hour drive. So my plan is Autumn's driving. My plan is to sleep in that hour drive. Okay. Get there at uh, you know five o'clock, four 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 thirty five. Go get something to eat. Go into the arena. It gets done at eight. My plan is to sleep on the way back over because then we got to go pick up my daughter in Queen Creek and then go home. I don't That's my know. Day-to-day, folks. I don't know if this is just a rush hour thing, but I so rarely do this. I didn't know. <laughs> I drove to uh, Talking Stick Resort for a Rattlers event yesterday during rush hour. So, most, so part Wait, of my drive, you know, was against what, the flow of traffic. Where's Talking Stick Resort? What are you talking about? Um, that is uh, uh, the hotel in, in North Scottsdale. Okay. Oh, their event was in North Scottsdale. It wasn't in Glendale. Yeah, correct. Oh, correct. I'm correct. sorry. Okay. Because they're, they're still practicing on the east side they're they're eventually moving practice to the west side okay i apologize so, no it's all right so i so the, i was on that drive so i went i did the loop around yeah. the 101 yeah when i got and i didn't use the 51 but when i got to the 51 exit mm-hmm. it was a mile and a half of cars yes just to go from 101 west to yeah. 51 south yeah it's because of that, that the, it was crazy it's because it goes from four lanes to one uh we'll deal with that and with that south 202 tonight uh you know there'll be no traffic on that but the second we hit i-10 and what is that 59th avenue oh yes uh, it'll be it'll take us like 30 minutes to get to that side of town then it'll take us an hour to get to the arena that, that area point. right there i am i have to admit it I am the biggest hypocrite, a total hypocrite, because I feel like when you have a place that you need to go, you're not more important than everybody else. (laughs) Sit in line and get over and wait till it's your turn to exit. That thing is a two and a half mile backup. And I say, okay, there's always somebody not paying attention. So I don't cut anybody off. That's not, but that's the way it's supposed to go. I go, I stay in the left lane and I pass two miles worth of people. And then I'm that guy looking over up. There's a spot. Boom. And I tell you, you look for the semis. uh, So autumn, autumn's, you know, the way where she wants to sit in the truck. I'm like, no, stay in this lane. Keep going, keep going, keep going. There's always a semi truck, especially on that South 202, yeah. that gives enough gap. And you just casually go in there right yeah. before you go. Yeah. And actually, uh, that speeds up traffic. Yeah, that's people trying to tell me that. I still think I'm being a hypocrite. Nah, so. you're, you're completely wrong. I, you know, I'll tell you, that's what speeds it up. What stops traffic is people not letting people in and not having that gap. That's what actually stops the yeah. traffic. Yeah. I, I have heard now you might know more than me on this because I admit I, uh, I worked with ADOT for drive, years. Driving is like a stubborn, I'm a stubborn <laughs> thing. I have heard ADOT say if there's a merge, if it's two lanes yes. becoming one, yes. you should go every other person and you should, even if it says right lane is ending, yes. you should stay in the lane that you're in yes. and then go every other one. Yes. But that's a little different because where you're talking about, you're talking about a lane that's going straight, it's, that's it's, not exiting yeah, and you're trying lane, to duck two it. Two lanes are exiting, one's forced to exit. One is you have an option to go straight or yeah. turn right. Uh, and I, no, and I, yeah, you just stay in that lane. Uh, as long as you have the gap. Now, if you force yourself in, 
you're an a-hole. <laughs> okay. So you're gambling, right? You're yes. gambling. You're gambling yes, that I there's going to be a big enough spot. And if you stop the traffic to go in, you're the a-hole. But if there's a gap in there and you just casually go in. So you got to be prepared to either keep going straight and act like you were doing that the whole time. Okay. Go, oh, that's that's yeah. fair. And you go in. That's, that's fair. the difference. I can uh, confidently say, not in, in life and other things, I've been the a-hole. But at that time, I have not been the a-hole yet. Yeah, because if you're stopping traffic to force yourself in, that's why you have a two-mile backup. There you go. Okay, yeah. good. If, everybody, that's if good. everybody kept the car link between them and let people merge in front of them, they weren't all possessive about yeah. that spot, yeah. you actually would flow very smoothly through it all. It's the people that you know rush up on you and they don't let you in because they're like, I've been in this spot. It's my spot. It's my spot. <laughs> and you're like, whatever. Those are the people that uh, ruin it. So if you're that guy, it's your fault we have traffic jams. Okay, I like this. Um, <laughs> give yourself a harder plug for the pit stop. What's coming up today? Uh, noon today, of course, we look back at Atlanta, which was a fantastic race last weekend. Gave you everything. Gave you the wrecks. Gave you cars coming back photo finish at the end three-way so we're focused on that las vegas this weekend so we're going to see the first track where speed comes into it and, uh, and how these new chevrolets and new front ends of cars work this weekend it's gonna be fun and a uh, week and a half or, or two weeks uh, away next week is phoenix for, for phoenix? okay yeah. okay and then now flip over to the main event what are you and dale talking about uh oh don't you know then i got the business show oh yeah, yeah i should probably put that together yes uh, at some point uh, here. <laughs> uh i got that at 11 and then of course main event you know we got uh nhl we're going to talk that uh 14 here, 14 here comes the record uh they're awful uh <laughs> terrible uh, 32 uh shots for the yotes 26 for toronto and you lose 42 isn't Yikes. that shocking they actually outshot yeah. somebody and, that never happens and toronto's goaltender was his first game back in a while except from injury and uh he dominated them which yeah. is never good right uh christian walker diamondbacks uh you know have did not pay attention to the first baseman side of their thing because they're like christian walker's got it Ooh, does he you know, this is an interesting thing about that because Paven Smith is is a wonderful defensive first base. Yes. So they've got the position. Okay, the problem is, is that really the bat you want yes. at first base? Yeah. You, you have a big drop-off after Christian Walker. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's back soon. Obviously, they'll be precautionary. Uh, but you don't like to see a, a hit in the wrist area, especially in yeah. spring training. So uh, got to wonder about that a little bit as well. And then NBA, uh, I'll, I'll say this on your show, and I'm going to announce it on my show as well. Uh, let's do it. Uh, Suns have to be in playoff mode from this moment forward Ooh. they are otherwise uh they're going to be in the play-in tournament it's that simple good call by you have yeah, a good show that. see ya hey we erased the ugly one and two from two days ago back on the winning side going two and oh so that feels pretty good going into a weekend on versus vegas in which we had the back-to-back three and O's this week and then smacked ourselves in the face with a Monday 0-2 and, and a Wednesday 1-2. and two. But last night, did well. We took Carolina on the road, on the puck line, had plus 100 juice, so we doubled our five bucks, whatever your unit is. Carolina beat Columbus 4-2 on the road. Professor Ridpath, I don't know if you're actually watching or listening today, but... Take that one on the chin right there. He is a well-respected Ohio University. Do you know who Professor Ridpath is? Izzy, I don't know if I've ever told you about Professor Ridpath. Do you know what a show cause order is, Izzy? Have you ever heard that weird phrase? 
No, never heard it. Show cause, it's something I guarantee you Dale knows very well because his football team is the only one to ever receive a death penalty. But the show cause means you're such a cheater that no one can hire you ever again unless they can prove why you should be hired. So that's what the NCAA does because they're an illegal monopoly, so they can't just block you from working. But they can put sanctions on the team that hires you. So that's what show causes. David, and then anybody who gets a show cause, they almost always sue the NCAA for the label. David Ridpath is the only human being in the world that's ever been hit with a show cause order, sued the NCAA, and won. As I say, see, I'm not a cheater. Well, then what's awesome is the Ohio University Sports Administration Department said, you would probably be pretty good as a professor. So they hired him basically to teach all the crap that the NCAA gets wrong. So it's fantastic uh, education for Professor Ridpath. And he's a huge Blue Jackets fan. So I rip him for being a Blue Jackets fan. But he drinks aquariums at the pub. So I I like him. Anyway, Carolina beats the Blue Jackets 4-2. And then we told you that... Vegas got this wrong. There's no way Gonzaga is playing USF and not going to be able to beat them by more than three and a half. That was just, I was like, that's a dumb line. Well, I don't know if you watched the game last night. I did not get a chance to watch it, but I looked at GameCast on it afterwards. The first half, Gonzaga's only up by a point. I'm thinking, I checked the score while I was at the rallies. I was like, what is going on? Like, there's no way USF should be in this game. Second half, Gonzaga wins 51-34. to All right, all right. We're comfortable. GU wins 86-68. We get both games. We go 2-0, 11-22, 9-83, 9-9 right now overall. What was really nice is we had plus 100 and minus 108. Juice, I think, was the final tally. So uh, we did well. We did well last night. All right, today and this weekend. I'm telling you, I can't give myself credit for it because it's not an official bet. And I guarantee you tomorrow I'm going to forget. All right. I will forget. I know that. However, the bet for versus Vegas, it's now versus Izzy. 41 and a half points. I set it high on purpose to make it hard. Booker against the Rockets, 41 and a half. He is giving me a six-pack of Kilt Lifter when Booker scores 45 to 50 points. I owe him a giant Hershey bar if it's in the 30s for Booker or less. So there you go. Now, if you actually get a chance to look at the player props on Saturday yourself, do you want my advice? Find out what they have Booker at. And as long as it's in the 30-point or don't go higher than 41. As long as it's in that range, I'm taking the over on Booker. I think he's going to go off against the Rockets. But that's not an official bet because I only go by, you know, what I have, what I plan on playing or what I have played. Plan on means I meant to do it and sometimes I didn't get to it. But I still, I go on the record because I might have cost you money. The only game I like over the weekend. My beloved Bobcats are in action tonight. They're at home at the Convocation Center. We call it the Convo. They're taking on Bowling Green. Full disclosure, I have absolutely no idea who's going to win. I have no idea who's going to win. However, the Bobcats shoot the three ball well at home. Bowling Green scores anywhere they go, and they're terrible on defense. The over-under seems high. The total seems high for a college basketball game. 150. That's kind of high. 
But if you look at it as 75 to 75, I have no doubt both teams are getting into the 70s. So therefore, I just need a couple more points. I'm at 140 with my eyes closed. Can I get five more points from each team? I say absolutely. So I'm going above the total of 150. Bobcats against BG. Let's go. Now, coming up on the main event, Dale Hellestray rips me for gambling on Mid-American Conference basketball. I know that that's coming. But the last time he mocked me, Kent carried us to winnings, and I won $8. So take that. I bet half a beer, five bucks, and I won on the Kent State Golden Flashes. Remember, Kent Reed, Kent Wright, Kent State. But we got it. Yeah. So I'm jacked up about that. We're going to get Mac baseball or Mac basketball right again tonight. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Next week, exciting moment, exciting moment. Santan Ford beginning the advertising with us. Don't forget that they've got a fantastic, I think I just said don't forget twice. They've got a fantastic mobile unit. Think about the ease in your life of somebody just coming and taking care of simple maintenance and the oil changes and things like that. And you don't even have to go anywhere. Boy, whether you live in an apartment, whether you just put the car on the driveway, whether you have it taken care of while you're at uh, at work, whatever's easier for you, Santan Ford will take care of you. And as soon as you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, whether it's a slick new car for you, pre-owned car for your child, I, I don't care. Trust Santan first. Give them the shot as a member of the Unplugged Army to earn your business. Best salad going for me right now. Sounds good today. The iceberg chick mother clucker wedge that you can get at Bell's National Kitchen. They still have the best sandwich in the state. But that mother clucker is so spicy and it mixes with the blue cheese and the iceberg wedge is so fresh. You still feel like a man and you can go home and tell your wife, I ate a salad. You got the best burrito, uh, best breakfast burrito you'll ever have in your life is Burrito Express. Seven locations across the east side and possibly, possibly coming through everywhere in the valley because they're in negotiations with Circle K. Circle K, let's go. Give me Burrito Express all throughout the valley. You've also got Trophy Bar and Rosati's and Chandler, two great sports bars to go to. Love to see you out there. I know I'm going to be going to Trophy coming up next week as well when Parker and Sons heating, cooling, plumbing, and electric. Dominate your weekend. You've earned it. The main event is up next. I'll see you Monday.